My name is Arafat and I'm in the UK. And this is Mohammed and I'm in the United States. Welcome to Slow Pit Stop. A podcast for Formula One fans all around the world. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Slow Pit Stop. Thank you very much for joining us today. And we have a very special guest with us called Asmara, who is joining us from Canada. Asmara, how are you? Hi, everyone. I'm good. Thank you for joining us. Before we get into it, Asmara, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into Formula One, what teams you follow, who your uh, favorite driver is, stuff like that. Sure. Um, I got into Formula One fairly recently. Um, during the, like, halfway through the 2019 season, I think just before the race in Singapore. And um, kind of a combination of just hearing a lot about it from people around me and wanting to get into it and also uh, watching a bit of Drive to Survive, which was obviously very fun. Um, in terms of my favorite driver, I think probably Lewis Hamilton, of course, easy answer. Um, and teams, I like Mercedes. I also really like McLaren. Um, and there's quite a few drivers that, that I, uh, that I enjoy watching. So I'm pretty, uh, I don't know. I like to see a lot as of As a them. Canadian, as yeah. a Canadian, um, Stroll or Latifi? <laughs> well, is, is neither I, an feel, I feel it never really comes down to picking one over the other. If we're lucky, one of them does really well or you know, relatively well for where they are. So I find I never usually have to compare them in that, that way. So I, I support both of them. I'm a shameless fan of both. I, I think actually Stroll and Latifi are both probably underrated. I don't think they're amazing, but I, I definitely think they're underrated. Speaking of underrated, why don't, we, why don't we go over this past race so we can talk a little bit about Latifi and the others. Yeah, so uh, I think what we wanted to talk about today was quickly uh, talk about the race uh, and the implications on the title fight, Bottas's move, which was announced earlier today, um, and then maybe get a little bit philosophical about what it means to be a second driver uh, in a sport which is most definitely a team sport, but there can only be one driver's champion, um, and then think about the empty seats that we have next year and look ahead to Monza before we say goodbye. So. Dutch Grand Prix just went past. Um, the crowd was heaving. Everything was orange everywhere. Uh, full support for McLaren, I guess. Uh, what did you guys think? Yeah, so initial thoughts. Uh, actually, I have a lot of thoughts on the Dutch Grand Prix. For the first time, uh, we got to see Red Bull versus Mercedes again, which we hadn't seen uh, properly for like a couple of races. But I actually am of the opinion that we haven't seen it happen yet correctly either. Uh, Zanvoort is a very interesting track. Yeah, I think Daniel Ricciardo called it Monaco without the walls. So I think whatever race we were going to get, I think this was pretty much how it was always going to go. What do you think, Asmara? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe an unpopular opinion, but I, so, I mean, to clarify, I didn't get to see much of the lead up to the race. Like I didn't get to see the free practices and I only got to watch a little bit of qualifying and not the fun part either. Um, like I had to stop at the first red flag. So um, I think the race itself was honestly a little bit boring. I don't know if that's like an unpopular opinion, but as someone who was watching it, um, and I guess not like a huge Max fan myself, I was kind of a little bit 
a little bit bored by it, but I did appreciate the atmosphere for sure. I mean, you know, certainly having all the fans there, but uh, yeah, I mean, we can get into into more details, but I think the the most fun part of it for me was to, towards the end, the shenanigans with uh, Mercedes and the fastest lap was definitely really funny. Yeah, that's something we definitely need to talk about later, the fastest lap shenanigans. I think the big allure of this race was the the max kind of, you know, his whole environment, all the fans coming out in orange. They've been waiting for Dutch Grand Prix for 30 years and it's Max's home race. The King of the Netherlands is there. You know, it kind of paints a picture. I feel like Max had to win. Like, I feel like, like Lewis winning would have flipped the script. This was Max's race to win a little bit. And I think if you're a Max fan, it made it really fun. And I think if you supported pretty much anyone else, the race was kind of boring. Yeah. Um, so I actually made notes on this race for the first time because I'm a professional and take my podcasting seriously. Oh, um, very nice. And uh, I actually took little, little bullet points as the race went on. Um, <laughs> and the first thing I wrote was Alonso, amazing start, which almost doesn't need to be said because that's what he does. But yeah. um, I put Verstappen so fast that he passed Michael Schumacher on lap eight. Michael he, Schumacher. Well, Mick, Mick, Mick Jr. <laughs> Michael's son. He yeah. passed him on lap eight. That's how fast uh, Verstappen was that wow. he just cleared the back wow. of the field by lap eight. And Verstappen is the only Dutchman to have ever led a Formula One race. Um, and on lap 10, he led his 1,000th lap. Um, Hamilton tried to pit before him on lap 21 to get ahead of him. Um, but Max was able to cover that and he pitted and came out in front of Lewis. Lewis was trying to chase and Mercedes' hope was they left Bottas out there long. They wanted Bottas to hold Max up. Um, but by lap 31, Max was past Bottas. It, it was almost, there was no resistance. Um, and that three second advantage uh, that Verstappen had, he just he kept extending it and extending it. Um, and there was a message on lap 34 asking Bottas to close the window. You know, he was in third place. They wanted him to cruise right up to second so that it would limit Max's options and when he could pit, because if he's going to pit, he's going to come out behind Bottas. But again, Bottas was too slow. And uh, Max just had the entire thing under control. And uh, try as he might, Hamilton pushed and pushed and pushed, but just could not keep up with him. Well, so that's really interesting. I... Uh agree that you know max was ahead of the the field but also lewis hamilton outdrove the mercedes today 100 percent. he pushed that thing to its limit every lap i expected to see a dehydrated and you know tired lewis get out of the car the way he did in, in hungary just based on every lap pushing it to the limit that car should not have been uh within a second and a half of max the entire race and yet it was i think that this week red bull showed that their car was a solid like 0.3 second uh, faster than the Mercedes and he was able to limit the damage for a long time. I also think this was a good race to compare second drivers because neither second driver was really in the picture. Botas was better than Perez uh, because he was at least in the fight. He's able to hold up Max for a little bit, but the Red Bull engine was so strong. I don't think he was ever going to hold up Max for too long. And there's all these questions about like, a third uh, undercut attempt and things like that. And should yeah. they have done that? But in reality, Max was so fast. Even if they had successfully undercut Lewis, if he was in first, he could have defended for a while, but there was no way he would have hung on to the yeah. lead. This was, this was Red Bull's race, race to win. 
So I think there's a couple of factors and I want to bring them into what it's like, what, what those factors mean for a fan watching the race. So first, the Red Bull car, I think, was just clearly better. And I don't actually think it was to do with the engine. I think it's aerodynamics, that Zandvoort track, aerodynamics come into it a lot. It's not particularly power sensitive like the next race that we're going to see in Italy. So I think Red Bull had an advantage there. Second, it, it was all about strategy because overtaking was so hard. Um, and we'll come on to the whole second driver thing in a bit, but because it is about strategy, it's a bit like watching, I don't know, a chess game unfold and you're hoping for something dramatic at the end. Um, you know, we've seen those races where either Max or Lewis pits late, goes onto softs and comes charging through and this it didn't really deliver something like that. I think it's... It's definitely interesting to to watch and to know that you know they've they've planned out uh, they planned out kind of lots of strategies of how the race could go and then they kind of have to adapt those as the race actually moves on based on what their rivals are doing. Um, I think you're right that it's definitely like a new thing like from all the other sports I watch, which are mainly like bigger team sports. You don't really see strategy in that way where it um, where it can change so much depending on the weather, depending on like what your rival does and like on the fly, depending on when someone else hits and things like that. Um, I, I do think sometimes it can be a little bit more boring when you have a track. Like, like I think even in the lead up to the, to the race, the, the commentators were saying that, you know, this is a race where we might not see as much overtaking on track, but we might see lots of that happen kind of in the pits. So I think if you're someone who's not too familiar, which probably is me, like not too familiar necessarily with like how the undercut or the overcut could work other than the basic um, theory, I think sometimes it can be a little bit more, um, a little bit less exciting to watch for sure. Yeah. So as we were talking about strategy and things like that, I want to come on to what do we think about how drivers are supposed to work in a team? I'm going to play a little game. Let's pretend you two are both team managers and you can pick up any two drivers up and down the grid, whoever you want. It's like an F1 game. Yeah. (laughs) So which two drivers do you pick and why? Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Latifi and Stroll. (laughs) So, okay. Oh, you're just going for Team Canada. Team Canada. Is there, is there like a money limit to this? Can I just pick like Max and Lewis? Like, how does this work? Yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go for Max and Lewis if you really wanted. Okay, so I mean, that's a horrible idea because they're both going <laughs> to want to be the alpha in the team. So not that. But uh, I would probably go pick something like, um, hmm, that's tough. Maybe, maybe like Daniel uh, and... Uh, Daniel and Lewis. I pick Daniel and Lewis. That's what I would do. Yeah, I, I think they'd that. get along. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say Lewis and Danny Rick for real. Yeah. And the, the the other pairing that I was thinking about was Fernando and Carlos Sainz. So this is really bad. But okay, firstly I was thinking Lewis because I personally think he's the best driver on the grid. So I would want the best driver on the grid on my team. And then I was thinking a little bit about like who is fast but also a good teammate, which I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, and I think we've, you know, for better or for worse, seen this year, Danny Rick have to be a little bit like, 
I don't know the word, but like to like he's had to follow team orders a little bit this year and he's been a good sport about it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think that uh, like I was talking to Arafat during the race and like they did the pincer movement on Max with uh, Beltas and Lewis and Beltre wasn't really able to defend uh, against Max. And I was thinking if we had a better driver in this seat, you know, I think this pincer movement would have worked. I don't actually think George Russell, we can get to that later. I don't think he's the driver for the seat. We need somebody, in my opinion, with more experience that can handle a top-rated car. That's why I picked Dan Ricardo. So I think he's got, you know, the right amount of experience in a good car and in a good midfield car. Um, this is, of course, assuming he had no, like, trouble adapting to it. But, yeah, I think Danny and uh, and Lewis would be good. And I actually think that in the future, we once – once uh, Lewis retires, I think we'll see a Mercedes lineup of Norris and uh, Russell. I think that's what the future is, but that's that's very different talk. Did you see on the Sky F1 coverage, I'm not sure you did, but the, they had Jensen Button and Nico Rosberg, who were both teammates against Lewis. They both beat Lewis. They're both world champions. And they were talking about, you know, they more or less predicted Valtteri's going to be out of that seat. And the presenter said to both of these guys, um, is Valtteri too nice? And both of them, Jensen Button, Nico Rosberg, without any hesitation, said yes, straight away. Um, but then Toto Wolff, the boss of Mercedes, said, no, I wanted someone like that because it gave the team harmony. It let us achieve so much. It helped us to win. And it helped Lewis to go on and get all that success And because he wasn't fighting his teammate. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week. So my thing is, what was Valtteri's purpose in the team? Was it to win a championship? No, it was not. Was it to win races? Maybe. But the reality is, his role in the team was to help win the Constructors' Championship for Mercedes. Um, and he did an amazing job at that. They won the Constructors' Championship every year he was there. He was always fighting in the picture. Maybe you can take some races here and there. Even this season, he's been in the top three pretty consistently, more consistently than Checo. So... You know, all this talk about is he a good driver or not. In my in my view, he was doing what he was in the team for. And I, that's why I actually don't think that he had to leave. But, um, you know, clearly Mercedes disagree with me. Asmar, do you think Mercedes made the right decision? I mean, I guess we'll see how things go next season. I think this season has been tough because, like, I think it's harder to or it's kind of unfair to base all of his um, – like how things went solely mm. on his performance this season. Cause I think this season has been a bit like out of the ordinary, obviously with like Red Bull kind of stepping up a little bit more. Um, and also Bottas has had some interesting moments this season anyways, but I personally like really do like him as a driver. I think that he, like, I, I kind of agree with what, with what Mohammed said and that he like, he, he did his job and I do think he's a little bit like underrated. I can't imagine how hard it is to like, like race after race, be racing with like, you know, someone who is arguably the greatest driver of all time and yeah. to actually keep up with him and to stay consistent. Like there's always that stat that surprises me of uh, like how many times in a row he's made Q3. And I think it's like, I, I want to say like almost every race he's been at Merck, he's, he's made the, he's made, uh, you know, Q3. So he's definitely like very consistent and, I think that he was a good foil for Lewis for sure. And when things went wrong for Lewis, he was always kind of there to pick up, you know, the wins he could or the podiums he could. I mean, you look at this week, right? And Sergio is in a better car and he's not able to get out of Q1. And they say, okay, yeah, because Red Bull strategy messed him up. But in reality, he couldn't get it. He didn't have the, the lap pace to stay in Q1. 
and Beltre has the weaker car, and he's starting third on the grid. I don't know. To me, he – I mean, there's a lot of hate against Valtteri online, like a lot, especially after Hungary, uh, where he hit a few other cars. But I personally feel that he's a pretty good driver. I didn't think he had to leave. Yeah, I, I agree that he's a good driver and that he's underrated. And he had, you know, one of the, the most impossible jobs in the world. There's a Formula One journalist called Joe Sayward, and he's got a good blog online. And what he was saying is the moment – because what was it, a week ago or two weeks ago, Sergio Perez signed for Red Bull again yeah. for another year. And he said the moment that happened, everybody inside Formula One knew George was moving to Mercedes. And the reason is because if Mercedes didn't do anything with George this year, he became a free agent and Red Bull was after him. Yeah. Because Red Bull would have preferred to have Max and George Russell. Yeah. And the second Red Bull signed Sergio, they all knew that was that must have meant George is unavailable. And the only reason George could have been unavailable is if he signed for Mercedes. So I think Mercedes have had to make this decision for two reasons. One, to stop their rival getting a great driver like George. And two, Lewis is going to retire at some point. Him and Valtteri are of similar age. And I think they want to build Russell up almost as an apprentice role to be able to take over when... uh, Lewis does retire because I think there is going to be, you know, the, ex- the future Formula One is going to be very exciting. It's going to be Verstappen and Norris and Russell and hopefully Albon as well. Um, and so I think they've got to prepare for that. Asmari, you mentioned interesting moments. Should we get into it now? The, the fast slap shenanigans. So just for people who might not have known. So right at the end, I think Mercedes realized that Lewis isn't going to win the race. They wanted to pit him so that he could be on fresh tires, go out, get the fastest lap of the race, and with that comes an extra point. And who knows, that point might be the difference between being champion or not champion at the end of the year. So they pit Bottas first, who was already in third place, put him on fresh tires, and he starts going for the fastest lap. And then they come on the radio and go, Valtteri, it's James. Uh, We need you to not set the fastest lap. And for poor Bottas, the guy knows he's just been fired, and now this makes no sense at all. Why did you pit me then? So clearly they just pitted him to get him out of the way. And then uh, Lewis went and took the fastest lap. I mean, I think it was obvious what they were doing. I think it did make sense in terms of strategy. Like, you know, obviously in a race that's this close, like a title race that's this close, they want to get every point they can. So I understood that for sure. Uh, I did think it was really funny how he started setting purple sectors like next lap. And then they had to come on the radio, but then... It would, I remember the juxtaposition was really funny because just as the radio message finished playing, saying, you know, like, abort fastest lap. Uh, the fastest lap. Or whatever. Yeah. The, he, like, crossed the line and then yeah. that banner <laughs> came up saying new lap record. I was actually dying. That was so funny. I, I, thought, I mean, I thought it was funny. And what makes it even more bizarre is Lewis was so far ahead of Valtteri that they could have just pitted Lewis and he would still come out in second place. They didn't yeah. need to interfere. They, by doing that, the whole thing just makes it look like they're picking on Valtteri for no reason. Yeah, so, I mean, this was like a weird weekend for Mercedes strategy. Like, they were trying to make, like, the perfect race. They needed the perfect race to beat Red Bull. And this whole fastest lap thing just seems so unnecessary. Like, Lewis didn't need the, the free air. He was fine. He could, have, he could have pitted and still gotten fastest lap. Why pit Valtteri? Why not just tell him the truth? If he knows he's leaving the team, just telling him this is for Lewis. Like, I don't know. I mean... 
there's all this thing about is Valtteri mistreated by Mercedes, and I don't think overall he is mistreated, but then there's really dumb, stupid decisions like this that make Mercedes look like they are picking on him for no reason. Like, I just don't see the point in any of the fastest lap drama. Do you think Mercedes are being sloppy in strategy this year? I'm getting that feeling. I, I feel yeah. like they've been winning so much yeah. that they, they've forgotten how to be smart. I don't know if it's they've forgotten how to be smart or if they're really feeling the pressure. Because, like, they got to Spain and they had this, you know, masterclass moment in Spain and they were able to outfox Red Bull. And then ever since then, they've just not been able to, like in France, right? He should have, uh, Mercedes should have covered uh Lewis right right when Max pitted he sh- they should have pitted Lewis and then they didn't Monza they went for the undercut when everyone was saying that was not going to work it was just like you know mistake Monza. over mistake Monza hasn't happened yet I'm sorry not Monza Monaco Monaco he what do you that. know that we don't <laughs> <laughs> no and, and Monaco and Monaco he came out he was stuck behind Gasly and then he went he undercut he was still stuck behind Gasly it was just like, it's been mistake after mistake from the strategy team. And I don't, I honestly don't know what happened because they were doing good in the beginning of the season. And then, so that with the combination of Red Bull having the slightly better car. And it's just like, that's why Mercedes has kind of been playing catch up for a while. I feel like Red Bull strategy, I don't know if this is just the last couple seasons that I've been watching, but I feel like Red Bull strategy has always kind of had the, uh, the upper hand like last season and things like that. I feel like we've seen more like magical moments of Red Bull strategy, but it was masked easier because they didn't have a great second driver and their car wasn't as fast as, uh, as Mercedes anyway. So I, I wonder if maybe it's just being more. Um, They've had to be clever with strategy. They've had to be aggressive yeah. with tires and whatever else. And I think that's the thing. They've been in this, the groove for the last few years of. Playing catch up. Yeah, playing catch up. What can we do to be clever? Whereas Mercedes have just had to go. How do we make sure Valtteri's in second place? Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, so... That's true. I, I think Red Bull, even in the Sebastian Vettel days, when they were winning everything, had to be clever with strategy. So I, th- I think they probably are better. So you but, think... Well, I was just going to say, you know how people say yeah. that, oh, uh, Max Verstappen needs to learn how to lead a championship. And, you know, he has to get out of this mentality of being behind in the championship. Do you think Mercedes needs to get into the mentality of you know, catching a championship like and not leading? I think so. I think they're, they're too used to winning and uh, they maybe need to relearn a few things. Uh, I think they're capable of it, um, but I think Max has very quickly gone from someone who's chasing to knowing how to lead a championship. I think he, you know, he, he raced uh, the Dutch Grand Prix, very cool, calm, collected. Right, absolutely. Um, made no mistakes. So yep. I, think, I think he knows what he's doing now yeah. and it's advantage max till the end of the year. So we've talked about where Bottas is going to go next year, which is to Alfa Romeo. Um, but I guess it's always fun to guess uh, for a few minutes what, who, where uh, other drivers are going to end up in these empty seats. So we've got a seat at Williams. We potentially have two seats at Haas, uh, and we have a seat at Alfa Romeo. Asmara, if you were the boss of Formula One back in the day, Bernie Eccleston, who was the boss, would petition for certain drivers to be in certain places because he thought they were better for the show. If you could put anyone anywhere, what would you do? I think something that would be really funny is if (laughs) Mercedes took anyone but George. So I think... Because they have like a real, a really good opportunity here to switch things up. So I think they should just take like 
what about Esteban Ocon? You know, like for a while. Nicholas was... Latifi. They should sign Nicholas Latifi. True. I think they could. <laughs> I honestly think they could sign. And this is like serious. I honestly think they could sign like Pierre Gasly or Esteban Ocon. I don't even think it would be that bad a move because at least they have experience like obviously like with race wins and things like that. But I, I obviously know they won't do that. But I just think that would be really funny if that yeah. happened. I, w- I wouldn't take Ocon. But I could definitely, you know, if they took the, the the way I see, if I was Toto and I wanted to not take George for whatever reason, I would take Lando Norris because McLaren take Mercedes engines anyway, and then I'd put George into Mercedes and pay his salary. Yeah, um, I think either that uh, or I would take Carlos Sainz. The problem is all these people have contracts that are locked up, but if they didn't have contracts that were locked up, I think they would all be really good second options for Lewis. Do you think Williams will take Alex Albon? I feel like they, I mean, I don't know what they will do. I don't think what I want them to do, which is take Alex Albon. But um, I think like he, given that he has the experience and there's also the storyline there now of kind of the redemption arc, which I think would go well with Williams' whole thing right now, given that they were so bad for so many years and they're kind of trying to, to climb back up into like midfield now, which it seems maybe they will um, by next year. So I think, I just think like DeVries, I mean, I honestly don't know much about Formula 2, but I don't think he had like a very stellar seat, like uh, run. He won Formula E. He's a Formula E champion. But I mean, sure. But I don't know if that <laughs> translates to, I don't know if that translates to like F1 and F2, right? So. What has Alex Albon won? Which championship has he come out on top of? Right, he didn't. But he has, but he has actual like experience racing in F one. I don't know. Is it is the what's the what's the bigger? And I'm genuinely asking here, like what translates better, like doing well in F two versus doing well in Formula E? Because I haven't watched a lot of Formula E, but I feel like it's a kind of like a pretty different. Yeah. So the the thing about Nick DeVries is he, as a child, was part of the McLaren Young Driver Program. He was picked up. You know, he's twelve, thirteen, uh, like the same way Lewis Hamilton was. And slowly, slowly with time, he wasn't doing as great as they wanted him to do in the junior categories. And he was dropped from McLaren. Mercedes picked him up. And you're right, he did win Formula 2, but he was there for a while. And he won when the people he was racing against, the Alex Albans, George Russells, whoever, all left. All his competition went away. And that's the, sort of, that's the environment he won in. And then he went to Formula E. And I think he's done very well in Formula E. But Formula E tends to be for people that have either just missed out on Formula One or are retiring from Formula One. I think if you win Formula Two, that means more. But it's who did you win that Formula Two against? Um, You know, Alex Albon came second or third, I think, but that was against Lando Norris and George Russell. So, yeah, I think that's a much more respectable third place than, you know, say other people. But um, for the reason you're saying, this arc of Alex Albon and the redemption short story. I would really like to see him in the Williams. So my theory is we'll see Alex Alban in uh, Williams and then Joe Venati will, it's 50-50. He'll either be dropped or a one-year contract. If he is dropped, I think Callum Islet will take his spot. Williams isn't looking for rookies anymore. I think they're done with their rookie phase. Uh, I think they only have Latifi because his dad is like a sponsor. But I think now that they're going back into the midfield, I think Asmara is right. I think next year they'll be in the midfield. Um, I think that we're gonna see, they're going to want someone with a bit more season to them, and Alex Aban is perfect for that. 
I don't know. That's my that's my theory. Callum Ilot was great in Formula Two. He just missed out to Mick Schumacher. It'd be yeah. nice to see him in Formula One. I think so. I think he lost out because he didn't have a famous or rich dad like Schumacher or Latifi yeah. or all these other people. Also, I just want to say real quick, uh, this is a little bit off topic, but I know we do have some listeners that are very, very new to Formula One, and this took me a little bit to understand. But basically, when you want to be a Formula One driver, the way you start is you go into karting, like go-karting, and you do like local stuff, and then you do like national stuff, and then you do like international karting. And then like by the time you're like uh, like preteen, teenager type age, you go into Formula 3. And at that time, teams start looking at you and you might even get picked up by McLaren or Renault or Red Bull or Mercedes in one of their young driver schools. And then you'll do Formula 3 and then you'll do Formula 2 if you're good enough to get upgraded. And then if you're good enough from Formula 2, you'll hopefully get a seat in Formula 1. So talking about people that have graduated in Formula 1, someone that we've not mentioned when we're talking about this merry-go-round of seats is Yuki Tsunoda, um, who for me is one of the biggest disappointments of the year. Asmara, you're shaking your head already. What's yeah. your opinion of him? I don't know. There was there was so much hype around him, and I don't remember why. Like, I, I know he was quite quick, I guess, in Formula 2. Um, but I don't know if in particular he was, like, very quick in testing or anything like that. But there was certainly a lot of hype for him. Um, but I just, I don't know. He just hasn't really lived up. I think the hype came from, he had a really good first race in Bahrain. He was in the points. So people thought, wow, do we really have like a future Red Bull driver, like a Carlos Sainz or whatever? Yeah. But since then he really hasn't done much, has he? I thought. No, I, if, if I was Red Bull, he'd be gone by the end of the year. But I think he's going to get another year because their, their other juniors that they have are two two junior. junior. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he'll get one more year and then he'll be gone. But, you know, he was kind of put in because Honda was like, we want a Japanese driver. And that's fine because Honda was doing the engines. But this is their last year doing the engines. There's not a lot keeping him in Formula One. It'd be like if Nicholas Latifi's dad stopped being a sponsor for Williams, then they have very little incentive to keep him. There has been so much Latifi slander this whole time. We We can use a different example. He's good. I like him. No, if you hear our old podcast, I like him. I like that he outqualifies George Russell. I'm not a huge George Russell fan, so I like Nicholas Latifi. And I actually like Lance Stroll, too. There used to be so much Lance Stroll uh, slander like all over the internet. People are like, oh, he's only in Formula 1 because of his dad. But to be honest, he's kind of proven his worth. He was on pole last year in Turkey. That's you know good stuff. So I don't hate Latifi. I, I don't hate him. Yeah, sorry, that was very off topic. Um, yeah, I just I, I think I think it's more so like I don't really know who they would replace Sonoto with. Like I don't know if they want to switch things up that much because they'll have a new car or new regulations next year as well. So I don't know who they would who they would replace him with unless it was someone who's already in F one going to like another team maybe. But uh, but yeah, no, I agree. Like I think there's definitely a case for him to just be gone after this season, unfortunately, because it's kind of sad. But what if they replace him with Alex Albon? Oh, like Albon backs off the Tauri. What if we have an Albon Gasly off a Tauri team? <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting, for sure. But I, I, I would worry. I would worry about Alex then because Gasly's really good. Alex is good too. This mm, is Alex yeah, Albon hate. But, I won't stand for Alex Albon hate. No, I'm kidding. But then the whole like, no, no, no. I agree. He's really good. But the whole narrative then would be, oh, let's directly compare these two people who failed at Red Bull. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that, what we want to see, though. That's no, no, no. I know. I know. <laughs> I think that'd be great. But I would worry about Alex 
getting destroyed and then not getting another chance. Whereas at Williams, it would be like an easier way for him to, because I I really like him. So, yeah, I think AlphaTauri as a team would benefit a lot from having Alex and Pierre Gasly as their drivers. But I think Pierre and Alex would have nothing to gain from that. I think Pierre needs to very quickly get himself to Renault, I mean, Alpine or McLaren or somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Williams will be the right thing for Alex. I think Alpha Tauri, unless you are the next Sebastian Battelle or Max Verstappen, is where careers go to die. Oh, boy. <laughs> to be fair, maybe Gasly has made uh, more of a case for himself to go to like a better team based on his recent performances at Alpha Tauri. But I mean, it's obvious that he is like outperforming that team. So, have either of you seen. Will Buxton's 2021 F1 grid prediction? No. What's he okay. saying? This is so he he calls it my just for fun prediction of what the 2025 F1 grid will look like. So I just want to go through this for a bit and then we can talk about it for a second before we kind of get to Monza and uh the future of the season. I I just think it's funny and we're talking about this kind of stuff anyway. So so he thinks Red Bull in 2025 will be Max Verstappen and Lando Norris who jumps ship from McLaren. He thinks Ferrari will stay at McLaren science. He thinks Mercedes will be George Russell and Daniel Ricciardo. He thinks McLaren will be Patricia O'Ward and Pierre Gasly. O'Ward coming in, I think, from IndyCar, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Who, who do you think in 2025 will partner Max Verstappen? Some poor Red Bull <laughs> child. <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> where do they have Schubacher uh, Alfa Romeo I think that's fair until yeah 2025 because I feel like I feel like their thing is if, if if he can be good enough I think Ferrari wants him like I think that would be the natural yeah, kind of yeah. he's, no he's a Ferrari driver so he's gonna end up in Ferrari somehow it's just timing wise I think well his Ferrari contract actually uh, expires this week Segway, oh, wow. um, and we're yeah. expected to uh, be renewed and announced at Monza because um, actually he doesn't even have a contract in Formula One till next year. Um, so we're expecting at Monza for Ferrari to announce they're keeping him on as their junior driver. There's also a big announcement we're expecting at Monza. Actually, we're, it's supposed to come tomorrow. Uh, so hopefully yeah. by the time this podcast is done, you know that announcement will have been made, which is George Russell to Mercedes which is the final domino. I talked about the dominoes last week. The first one was Kimi Raikkonen retiring. Second one was Botas moving to Alfa Romeo. And then the final domino, domino, George Russell to Mercedes. How do we all feel about that? I mean, fair enough. It's been a long time coming, I guess. Like people have wanted it for a while. So I guess we'll see. Um, I think it's a good time for it to be announced because before this, you got the feeling that George was like allergic to finishing in the points. Like anytime <laughs> he had a chance to, he would mess something up or something Poor would guy. go awry, you know? So, um, and even when he was at Mercedes for those, like, what was it? That one race or the two races, like, I think both kind of disasters. So, um, Whereas now, you know, he finished P2 and qualifying last week, and then he's also gotten points and things like that. So I think it's a good time for it. Um, I mean, I guess we'll see. I don't think there's ever really, unless they do pull like a completely out of the like unexpected move and announce someone else, like um, certainly I think it feels like it was a long time coming. So we'll have to see how things play out for sure. 
Yeah, no, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think George is the future of that team. And this he's going into an overlap period with the end of Lewis's. I just, you know, this season, like you said, Asmar, he's been, like, allergic to the points. He's not had good Sunday races. He's had really good Saturday qualifying. He's fast on one lap. Is he fast on multiple laps? But George Russell coming to Mercedes will be very exciting for the future of the sport. We're going to see him next to Lewis, which is going to give Mercedes an upper hand, I think, in any future championship battles. Speaking of championship battles, next week, the current title fight moves on to Monza. Arfat, any predictions? And then Asmara, you can give your bit too. So if we just give our top three. So first, what we'll say is you were talking about dominoes falling there and Kimmy being the first domino. And I just remember Kimmy's out at the minute with COVID. So Mm. we obviously hope he gets better very soon. And we had Robert Kubica racing for him. Uh, and there's some great memes out there about Robert Kubica still finishing in a higher position <laughs> than George Russell, uh, despite not having raced for ages. Um, so I, th- I think that was th- those are my favorite memes uh, that come out of this weekend. But yes, Monza, um, we have another sprint qualifying. Uh, oh, so we're going to have man. a race on Saturday and Sunday. So we'll That's see how that goes. Insane. I forgot about that. My prediction, I'll give you my, my top three and we'll see how it goes, is going to be Hamilton first, Verstappen second, and in third, I'm going to say Perez. I honestly, can someone tell me what kind of track Monza is and what teams are expected to be, to be strong it is, there? It is good for Mercedes because it's, a, it's like less aerodynamic uh, it's more of like, I think, a power thing, right, Arfan? And yeah, so Monza is known as the Temple of Speed. It's the fastest track on the circuit. It's, uh, it's you know, the, the, sort of the meme of the stereotypical like Italian hand waving? Yeah, that's the shape it is. So there's very few turns. It's in a sort of L shape. Um, so it's, it's all about low downforce, high speed. Historically, um, Mercedes have done well there, but... Who knows, with this Red Bull being better and better, and they brought some updates last week as well, who knows what the pecking order will be. I say what I want to happen in my heart of hearts is that Lewis wins. I want Valtteri to get second, just because I think that would be nice after the week he's had. Um, And then I think third place, I want... um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it'll be Max, but I feel like I would prefer like Danny Rick or someone, like someone from maybe McLaren. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if we're talking about things that we want, I would want Lewis first, <laughs> Sebastian second, and Ricardo third. Yeah, perfect, sorted. And, and just both Red Bulls, DNF. Nothing bad happens. The car just breaks down and, you know, they have to stop, unfortunately. I think, I think I'd, I'd want that. I think the majority of our listeners are British, and thank God, because if they were Dutch, this would be, <laughs> <We'd> be cancelled <laughs> really fast. Um, uh, I was going to say that I think uh, Lewis first. Uh, I hope Lewis first, but I also think he will. I think Max second, and I think third will be Landon Norris. I think we'll see another podium from him. Um, and then for the rest of the season, I think that we're going to have to see if Mercedes can – if Mercedes pulls off a win in Monza, I think they have the ability to compete for the rest of the season. If they don't, I think we're going to see Stan Bort over and over and over again. And I think we may – Mercedes may win the Constructors' Championship, but I think Red Bull, like Max, will win the uh, the drivers if they're not able to 
really compete at Monza. I think that's really going to tell us a lot about the current state of both cars. What do both of you guys think? I think so. I think next week's going to be very important in telling us where the championship is going. Yeah. Asmara? Yeah, I think it'll be a lot to do with like momentum as well, just because like, I think it's been a while since, has it been a while? I don't even remember what's happened recently, but um, like I think Mercedes needs like a good showing to kind of carry momentum forward, not even just looking at the, the points numbers, but just also the morale of the team and everything, what with like things changing now too with you know, Bottas being announced for Alpha of my own, things like that. So, yeah, definitely. I think, uh, I think Red Bull has an opportunity to, like, run away with things from here. So, On that note about Bottas moving to Alpha, I know we've been talking about that kind of all podcast, but we do have a listener question this week. One of our listeners is asking, do you think Valtteri Bottas wanted to move to Alfa Romeo? Do you think he's happy to leave Mercedes? What do you guys think? He might be happy to leave Mercedes because he's done with them, but he definitely did not want to go to Alpha. No. Where do you think he would have wanted to go? Asmara is shaking her head on this audio-only format of media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Like, I don't think... Because um, I was actually talking about this with my brothers yesterday because we were talking about the, the fastest lap shenanigans and talking about how, oh, like, he's been mistreated. So one of my brothers is like, well, why didn't he just leave that? if he has been mistreated for the last however many seasons, he had the opportunity to leave and he's such a good driver, he could have gone anywhere. And it's kind of a matter of, well, I'm sure, you know, at the end of the day, you still want to be somewhere that you're competitive and you still want to be somewhere that you do have the opportunity to win races and win podiums. Whereas if you end up somewhere like Alpha, like, I mean, I don't even know if they're going to be like a midfield team next year, right? Because right now they're not really, like I would not call them a midfield team. So I don't think necessarily like he will be happy to, he might be happy to leave like Arafat said, but I don't think he'd be happy to go there. Where do you think he'd want to go if he had a chance? If he had a chance? Well, I think he missed his opportunity. If he'd, if he'd left a year ago, there were seats at Aston Martin. Yeah. There was a seat at McLaren. There was a seat at Alpine. And okay, maybe all three of those teams wouldn't have wanted him, but at least one of them, because he, he's going to come with Mercedes knowledge. Yeah. Um, but because every seat is now tied up, the, the only places he could have gone were Williams and Alpha. I don't, I don't know that he's totally upset to be at Alpha. I feel like, I don't know, it, it's confusing. I, I don't know that he is really that upset to leave Mercedes, to be honest. I think that him and Lewis, I don't think he got everything he wanted, but I don't necessarily see that as Mercedes' fault. I don't know. I, I just don't buy into this whole Mercedes hates Valtteri, he hates Mercedes back you know, narrative that's been on the internet for the past couple of years. No, I think they're fine. I think, like you said, he, he got as much as he could and now it's his time to move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck to him. And so coming up this week, we have the last race in our triple header. We'll have free practice one on the 10th, and then we'll follow that up with qualifying, which is fake qualifying. And then the sprint race is the 11th, which is Saturday. And then Sunday morning, the 12th, we're going to have, Monza and we'll get to see the future of Red Bull and, and Mercedes and how they get to go forward. Very exciting times. Anything you guys want to add before we finish off? No, I just want to say again, thank you very much to our guest Asmara for joining us. We hope yeah, to have you on you. again in the future. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. This is great. 
All right, everyone. Follow us on Instagram at Slow Pit Stop. You can go back and listen to our old podcast. We're on Spotify. Slow Pit Stop, Formula One podcast. We'll see you all next week. Goodbye.